Welcome back to this month's episode of the Pigx Podcast. I'm your host, Delaney Howell. Joining us in this part three of four series to discuss ventilation and its effect on heat stress is Dr. Brett Ramirez, an assistant professor in Ag Systems and Biostate Engineering at Iowa State University, and Matt Ramosier, a swine extension specialist at Iowa State. Throughout this episode, we'll be covering proper ventilation systems, prepping the barns for summer, and how to minimize the effects of the upcoming summer heat. Before we jump in, let's get a quick recap on this grant from the grant's PI, Josh Selsby. It's a combined grant, so deliberately there are some basic biological questions that we'll be addressing and some applied questions that we'll be addressing. And then we have an extension component to help share our results with producers. So the the first part of the grant is a fairly intensive experiment where we're focused on a select number of animals and asking some really in-depth biological questions about how heat stress is affecting separately barrows and gilts, um, their muscles and endocrine systems and a variety of other uh, variables that we're interested in, including a, a whole a whole slew of production metrics. And then in the second phase of the grant, what we're doing is scaling up to production level outcomes where we're interested in asking the question at the production level, at the systems level, do we actually see changes in biological sex um, in terms of production metrics? And then the last part of the grant is focused specifically with sharing our research outcomes with producers. Josh, why did you feel like heat stress was the area that made the most sense to focus on? I just find the biology and the physiology of heat stress fascinating. It's one of those few things that impacts the animal systemically. And then also you can explore each tissue with with extraordinary depth. And for me, muscle is the most exciting tissue. And so it was a natural marriage of idea and opportunity. And I was we we're fortunate enough to be awarded the grant to pursue it. One more quick refresher for all of our PigX listeners before we dive into any new information this month. Let's go back to a conversation with Dr. Kara Stewart to do a quick recap about what exactly heat stress is. You think about specifically heat stress and the boar. Um, when an animal, any animal experiences heat, they end up panting. So they do things to modify their behaviors typically first to adjust to the um, increase in environmental temperature, right? So that's usually panting, maybe laying down more so they aren't expending a lot of energy. Um, and then when that doesn't work and their body temperature continues to go up, they start to actually divert blood flow to their extremities to try to dissipate that heat that's kind of building up in their core body. When that happens, we start to see some big physiological changes where it ends up sort of giving some oxygen depletion to the gut and those centralized organs in order to send the blood flow to the extremities to try to get rid of the heat. When that happens, we end up having some changes at the level of the gut that are not so good for the animal. So maybe you've heard of the term leaky gut, but what we get is like a breakdown of the entire sites in in the gut that allows some toxins and things to come in and leads to poor nutrient absorption at that point. So when we get to that point, I think that's where you would consider the animal under some pretty good stress. And then they start to reduce their feed intake and that will end up trickling down the line here to affecting reproduction, whether it's a sow or a boar. Um, once we get to the point that they are having a little breakdown in their gut, going off of feed or reducing their feed intake, um, they will really start to show negative impacts on reproduction. 
After the break, we dig into our conversation regarding ventilation, so stay tuned. Moving into our discussion with Matt and Brett, Matt, start off by touching on the physiological effects of heat stress and how the pig's bodies typically respond. I think it can kind of come look at it from both ways, both a kind of a macro level and a micro level. I guess the macro level being the pig itself or uh, within the barn itself, obviously pig, some of the pig's first response is just reduction in activity and, and reducing activities that increase normal body temperature. Obviously in a time of heat stress, the pig's trying to dissipate heat. So reducing and minimizing activities that are heat generating some of those obviously just being normal day-to-day activities such as consuming feed or anything that increases metabolic activity. So reduced activity in the barn along with that with that reduced feed intake. And then I think just in general, you see pigs trying to find ways to dissipate heat on their own, whether it be through increased panting or increased contact with different surfaces in the pen, whether it be a wet spot in the pen or trying to just lay down and try to increase increase contact with the concrete uh, any way in, in which they can try to dissipate heat. I guess then from the from more of a physiological standpoint, and I know Kara Stewart hit on it a little bit, but that being just how how the pig redistributes blood and circulation that can ultimately uh, increase the uh, intestinal perme- intestinal permeability and leaky gut, which then further complicates the the heat stress uh, continuum, if you will. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty well put, Matt. And the only thing I might just add from more of the engineering environmental control perspective, you know, we see you know heat stress is when you know the pig can get rid of heat. That heat ends up being stored in the body, which causes their body temperature to go up. And so when we're thinking of ways to to mitigate stress, whether it's from a nutritional intervention or an environmental intervention, our goal is really to help improve the ability to get that heat out of the pig's body so its body temperature can come back down and back to normal. And from the ventilation perspective, Brett, does there need to be different considerations made for ventilation in consideration of heat stress for different stages of production, i.e. do we need to think about ventilation differently for piglets versus sows versus weaned pigs? You know, depending on the body weight of the pig or it's, a, you know, stage in reproduction, they're all going to have kind of a little bit of a different thermal neutral zone. So with like our piglets, they tend to need a much warmer envi- environment compared to like a gestating sow. So we kind of have to keep in mind what what that best thermal neutral conditions are for each of them. So usually with piglets, we don't really think too much about heat stress because they they naturally need that 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 really warm environment. But had some accidents where we we have heat stress piglets just by not kind of over overheating some of the creep areas during farrowing. So we have to kind of keep in mind. Really with piglets, we're a little bit more uh, concerned about making sure we're not having any drafts or any any anything that could possibly chill them. Generally, not too much of a concern in summertime, but still something to keep in mind. So then if we go over to say, you know, the growing pig or uh, gestating sow, really the key is uh, making sure we have adequate airflow in the room. We're generating slight draft on on those pigs, especially in the really warm conditions. And the other thing to keep in mind is when the temperature gradient between the uh, skin of the pig and the air starts to become similar, so or, or a low gradient, so pig skin temperatures say somewhere in the low 90s, we'll need to 
to do something other than just increase airspeed by the time we're in the low 80s. We really want to maintain that temperature gradient when we can to help pull that heat off. And so typically that's why we see a lot of recommendations. And as soon as you hit around, you know, low 80s is, you know, stir fans on or, or some form of elevated airspeed, whether that's from tunnel, the inlets, fans. And then as we're above about 80, in the mid 80s, we need to start using some form of evaporative cooling, such as like wetting the skin of the pigs, or if it's on a south farm, making sure the evaporative cooling pad are working. And as far as thinking through ventilation, I think the other one is just what about differences in ventilation when you're transporting pigs versus ventilation in just barns where they're in one location? Are there different things to keep in mind there? Transportation is a whole nother thing just because we really don't have any of the same equipment in the barn that we have in the trailers. So transportation, we're much more focused on stocking density inside the trailer, you know, time of day when we're transporting the pigs, you know, making sure the, you know, boarding's out and, you know, we can get some air moving in the trailer when it's going down the road. I'm not stopping for too long if, if it's pretty hot outside. So there's a lot of different considerations when transporting pigs. And as we are heading into kind of the summer months here, how do we get pigs and barns and people ready for the hot season ahead? You know, as soon as it starts to warm up in, you know, April, we need to be thinking about is our summertime ventilation and equipment ready to go. So some of the most important things for that I see is making sure uh, wall fans are clean, your tunnel fans are clean and functioning. Um, I've been in too many barns lately where we go and flip on switches to see if fans work and guess what, they don't work. Um, So actually systematically going through and verifying the function of the fans, um, not only making sure that they're clean, but making sure they are actually working, I think is probably one of the most critical steps. Making sure too that we start taking down any anything that was used to seal the fans during winter. People put plastic up or a, a blank up on the fan. Those are going to have to come down. We'll need to, if it's a south farm, need to start looking at making sure the evaporative cooling pads in good shape, pumps work, water's flowing, and those settings on the controller get dialed in when when it does start to get warm out. And from the physiological side, what are some factors to watch for that may be an indicator that ventilation is off during summer months when heat stress is at its peak? Yeah, so I guess on from the physiological side and some of this maybe maybe Brett can add in a little bit onto, but obviously if your ventilation is off or if you don't have enough airspeed through it, obviously it's just all going to contribute to that increase in temperature. So much like what we would have stated there earlier, I know that obviously you're going to have pig just trying to figure out ways to dissipate heat. Obviously pigs lack the ability to sweat or an effective method to cool themselves via perspiration. So in doing so, just increasing their their panting and, and, uh, and at some point, Panting won't uh, ex- extrude enough, or you won't uh, dissipate enough heat quickly enough. At which point, evaporative cooling needs to be the intervention there if the ventilation isn't uh, keeping up there as well. I know there's probably some different vices, and at which point, you know, if pigs can start to get a little bit more aggressive towards each other, and I know Brett can probably speak to a little bit more of that if ventilation isn't ideal within the barn. Probably more dealing with static pressure though than than with heat stress itself. Yeah, I would add, um, especially on the, like the grow finish side, I know a lot of times, sometimes when people are making feeder adjustments, they tend to might maybe chore in the morning when it's not so cool outside. So you might see all the pigs eating and decide, well, maybe I need to clamp them down a little bit, but that's, that's the time when they need to be opening it up is that, you know, in the evening, um, when the pigs are going to go back to the feeding. So what we'll see happen is that 
you know, kind of to Matt's point is that feeding is going to occur in the late evening or early morning. So just, just kind of in between the peaks of the summertime highs. And so making sure those feed, the pigs have access to feed when, when they do need it is, is important. And I saw your guys' article last year that was in the National Hog Farmer. I think it came out in May of 2022, but it also talked about minimizing the effect of summer heat for specific segments within the swine industry. I think the article had growing pigs, sows. So Brett, from your perspective, you kind of alluded to this already, but what are the key things to keep in mind ventilation-wise, depending upon the different phases in production for summer heat stress? For like growing pigs, really our goal, if it's in like a tunnel ventilated barn, is really to make sure that the fans are working and that we're able to get a nice elevated airspeed. So when it's in full tunnel, we should have around 300 to 400 feet per minute going down the barn. Also with growing pigs, making sure that the sprinklers are coming on about 18 to 20 degrees above the set point. Uh, we often like to have them on for one to two minutes. It's kind of depends on flow rates and, and water just dis- distribution inside the barn and then off for about 15 minutes allows that water to evaporate on the pigs and really pull that heat out. If we start turning our off times too low, that means the pigs will probably stay wet and that's not really helping with evaporation. Or if it's too long, we're missing opportunities to really accelerate accelerate the cooling. Again, with sows, kind of similar, but with evaporative cooling pads being pretty common, kind of to what I alluded to earlier, is making sure that those are functioning, coming on at the right part of the right time of day, getting a chance to dry off at night to kind of help reduce how much algae can grow on them. Then also with sows, you know, making sure if it's in like breeding and gestation, making sure, again, we're getting some airspeed across those pigs. And when you think about the impact that ventilation can have on heat stress, obviously there's other factors as well, like uh, floor space, feed, et cetera. How would you rank ventilation as far as importance or impact on heat stress compared to other factors? Yeah, I'd probably say ventilation is our primary means at at, at controlling the effects of heat stress. Some would like to say it's environmental modifications currently the best approach. I mean, as as more advancements in nutrition and genetics and health come about in the in you know in the coming years, um, at the moment really ventilation is the the top way to help mitigate those effects. But are there other things maybe Matt from your perspective that growers should be keeping in mind as we head into the summer season outside of just ventilation to keep in mind when thinking about heat stress? Yeah, I, I certainly think that there's one thing. Obviously, I think grow finish managers or people uh, caring for pigs and barns need to be aware of is just their water flow rate. And there's lots of different things that they can do from a management standpoint to be able to make sure that, you know, water is adequately flowing to the drinkers so the pigs can have access to that because that's going to be another primary cooling metric that they are, you know, primarily cooling strategy they can have is just increased water consumption in times of heat and in times of stress. Ideally, you know, through the nursery phase, nursery phase through a finishing phase, you're probably going to target about 16 ounces to 32 ounces of water a minute. Ideally, it would be a, would it be a typical recommendation. Uh, so just making sure you've got adequate fl- uh, water flow rate. And if you don't, using something to clean those water lines or break down anything that's potentially built up in those water lines just to be able to optimize the amount of water that's actually going to the drinkers for those pigs to help uh, help mitigate and control body temperatures. Matt, is there like a standard for how many drinkers you need to have per number of head or per size of pig? In general, so it'll change a little bit, but in general, I think you want roughly a a water source, be it a drinker or a cup water per 10 pigs. You've got a pen of 30, that would be three different water sources. And that can come in uh, lots of different ones, whether it be a swinging nipple, a gate mounted nipple, wet dry feeders. There's lots of different ways that they can get uh, water. 
but generally one water source per 10 pigs, and then just optimizing the flow rate to 16 to 32 ounces, depending on the size of the pig per minute. I think another good question to ask too, Brett, you talked about making sure that equipment works like fans and things like that. But what about for growers that are looking at potentially making some infrastructure improvements or advancements? What are some things that you're seeing as far as trends in the pipeline or coming down the pipeline of new ways to help with this? On the growth finish side, I can't say I've seen too much in terms of this other than our kind of typical approaches with tunnel ventilation and then sprinklers and stir fans if maybe it's a naturally ventilated barn. I think the main one is is really just optimizing what growers have available to them at the moment. And and a lot of that should be able to to really help mitigate those effects. Uh, we still don't really see a whole lot of evaporative cooling pads on finishing barns, at least here in the upper Midwest. And we don't see a whole lot of other techniques being used at the moment. And then I think lastly, we always try to kind of give the listeners like a take-home message. So just something simple that they can remember or implement in their own operation. What's one piece of advice or one thing that they can watch this year heading into the summer months as related to heat stress and ventilation? I guess for me, kind of I'll keep harping on this is you know, before it gets hot, just really make sure everything works and it works the way it's intended to work. So that's a verifying certain equipment works, whether that's fans, sprinklers, tunnel curtains, uh, emergency drop curtains, et cetera. So we want to make sure it all works the way we think. And then taking a moment to then also check the controller and make sure we have everything programmed in and things will sequence the way we intend them to sequence. So making sure, you know, depending on the set point that you know, what temperature does tunnel come on? Are our differentials set correctly? Are our staging set correctly? Time, what temperatures happen, happen to cause the system to react? And then, you know, if you have the ability to put the controller into test mode or simulate, you know, that barn warming up to make sure everything kind of goes according to plan. Yeah. And for me, I would say uh, kind of along the same lines there is what uh, Brett alluded to just as far as trying to be proactive. He obviously spoke, you know, spoke to being proactive about making sure your equipment's working in the barn. And I guess I would speak to it just from a standpoint of trying to not be reactive to when it gets into those hot days and and trying to be make sure that uh, you're you're adjusting your set point maybe accordingly and, and your alarms to accordingly to when the hot points of the day could spike ahead of when pigs uh, could potentially be stressed. Obviously, the managing the barn temperature in a barn has a lot of science component to it, but also there's an art component too in terms of be able to read animals, read their behavior and, and what's comfortable and ideal for them being able to kind of hone in on the on the uh, animal husbandry aspect of it and be able to read those animals in the barn better better get them prepared for dramatic heat spikes or dramatic heat spikes or 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 stages or weeks where they might have to endure uh, high temperatures during the day and night as well being proactive is really the, the key is is making sure we're not being retroactive just because it, it, we get hung up with a lot of things going on and so being proactive when we have that couple minutes of free time to, to do it really pays off in the, the long run. Well, that does it for another great episode of the Pig X podcast, but we have plenty more interviews lined up and one more heat stress episode for you coming next month. Until next time, I'm your host, Delaney Howell, and this has been the Pig X podcast. Pig X is a national podcast hosted by the Pig Livability Project partners at Iowa State University, Kansas State University, and Purdue, and supported by the Iowa Pork Industry Center. For more information on the project, 
head to www.piglivability.org or to inquire directly with questions regarding the project, email ipic at iastate.edu. Pig X. Ideas in the swine industry worth sharing.